0: Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream. I am your host, Alexis Downey, coming to you from the Paul Korea studio. It is Friday, and it is also game day for your Anaheim Ducks. The team is facing off in a rare afternoon game on the road against the Vegas Golden Knights at 3 p.m. Vegas has had a strong start to their season, leading the Pacific Division with 12 points, in addition to leading the West with a 6-2 record. Chandler Stevenson and Jack Eichel have been producing on the top line, with each having seven points apiece, I'm calling this Jack Eichel's comeback season, as last season he wasn't entirely healthy when he joined Vegas, so this is a big year for him. Also leading the way with seven points but leading in goals with five of them is Jonathan Marchessault. The goalie situation for Vegas has been a bit interesting without Robin Leonard in net. We've seen Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson split time, both of them with about a two goals against average right now. Things really seem to be working for Vegas, so this is going to be a tough test for the Ducks, who are still looking for win number two on the season. Now let's go back to Wednesday night when the Ducks lost in a heartbreaker at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning 4-2. The team's penalty kill looked much improved in this one. However, they did allow the go-ahead goal late in the third period, Trevor Zegers taking a high stick penalty on Pat Maroon and then Brandon Hagel would top it off netting a power play goal to give Tampa that late lead. The Ducks really didn't shoot the puck much through the first or third period, only four shots on goal in the first period and only seven in the third period. But I did like what I saw out of them in some moments. I felt like they kept up with the pace of Tampa. Tampa is just such a skilled team. Obviously, they've been Stanley Cup champions in recent years for a reason. Head coach Dallas Aikens noting to us after the game that it's not good to make mistakes. But when you make a mistake, even if it's just one against a team like that, it is costly. And certainly we saw that in that game. The power play did produce some shots, though. I thought that was a positive for the team, but they weren't able to get any in on Brian Elliott in net. Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras getting the only two goals of the night for the Ducks, and they really have been performing for the team so far this season. The Ducks will also have a Sunday game this weekend when the Toronto Maple Leafs come to town to Honda Center. You'll hear more on that at the end of this show. Now let's go coast to coast to hear some of the best goal calls from around the NHL last night. The San Jose Sharks welcomed the Toronto Maple Leafs to town. A big game for Logan Couture who netted his 300th career NHL goal in this one. His second goal of the game and this one came on the power play. Hear the call now from Sharks' Dan Rusinowski.
1: Now from the top of the circle, Meyer goes down low to Couture, now to Carlson, looks for Barabanov, missed him, But Barabanov plays it back to the point on the carom. Meyer now to Carlson in the circle, back for Barabanov to the slot, score! The captain, Logan
0: Cook! Couture, side of the net gets the beneficiary of some brilliant stick work by San Jose on the power play. And guess what, folks? The power play will continue because that's a five-on-three goal for Logan Couture. And you know what else? That is goal number 300 in his National Hockey League career. San Jose went on to win this one in overtime thanks to a goal from Eric Carlson. The Leafs will continue their road trip out west by taking on the LA Kings on Saturday before, like I mentioned, coming here on Sunday. Next up, the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Chicago Blackhawks last night. Connor McDavid doing what he does best in scoring goals as a part of the Oilers' 6-5 win. He netted his second hat trick of the season already. Listen to the call from Ched Radio, 630 AM.
1: Pulls it off the left wing, all the way across to McDavid. Nice move. Goes to the net. Scores!
0: The Boston Bruins faced off against the Detroit Red Wings on Thursday night, and the Bees have continued their strong play, getting a 5-1 win. This was also the return of Brad Marchand, a three-point night for him, two goals and an assist. Very impressive in this return. Here is goal one of the night from Marchand from Bruins Radio's Judd Surratt. Banked up top,
1: Marchand, across to Pasternak. Center point, Lindholm, left circle, Marchand shoots, he scores!
0: He's back, 63. Brad Marshan with a laser just inside the far post. A power play goal. Bruins two, Red Wings nothing. And lastly, the Vancouver Canucks taking on the Seattle Kraken. This was the first win of the season for the Canucks, a 5-4 win head coach Bruce Boudreaux's 600th win as an NHL coach. Early in the third period, Elias Pettersson scored the go-ahead goal for the Canucks. Listen to the call from Canucks' Brendan Batchelor.
1: Following up is Matty Beneers, and he'll carry in on the right wing. Paniers gets it to the near corner for Schwartz, who lost his footing in a battle with Elias Pettersson. And Pedersen skates away with the puck near corner. He'll carry it ahead himself. And pass right wing to center for Luke Shan. Shan gains the Seattle line, carries to the left circle, trying to shot. It's tip Petterson, bets it in top of the crease. Elias Pedersen on the redirect in front, just 1:16 into the third period, and the Canucks have the lead back. It's four to three. It may be a lucky goal, but you'll take it whatever way you can get it. Excellent hand-eye coordination by Elias Pettersson. The puck is thrown towards the net by Luke Shen yet again. Just getting the puck towards the net. And it's bouncing towards the blue paint. And they're looking at, I think, the offside. They want, may want to challenge this, but Luke Shen just throws it towards the net. Carson Soucy bats at it first. And it continues to bounce towards the net. And that's where Elias Petterson just does like a cricket... Half swing and ends up putting it into the behind Martin Jones. So just great hand-eye coordination
0: by Elias Pettersson. The Arizona Coyotes will play their first game of the season inside Mullet Arena tonight. That being Friday, home of the Arizona State University hockey team and now the Coyotes. Pete Blackburn is down in Arizona and jumped on to talk with me about the anticipation for tonight as well as everything else happening around the NHL, plus some of his takes on the new reverse retro jerseys. Listen now in this next segment. Joining Light the Lamp now is Pete Blackburn, who covers the NHL for Bally Sports. Pete, last time we chatted was at the Stanley Cup in Denver. It's hard to believe it's already October, and we're in full swing of another hockey season.
1: Yeah, thankfully. I mean, it was a long summer without hockey, but, uh, very happy to be back and very happy to have hockey back in my life for sure.
0: Now I know you're on the road right now for an exciting night ahead, opening night of the Arizona coyotes at mullet arena. What is the atmosphere in Tempe like right now?
1: Uh, I mean, (laughs) it's an absence of atmosphere, but it is early today (laughs) when we're recording this, it's like 11 before noon, uh, local time. So, uh, you know, I, I wasn't fully expecting like the city to be jam packed and partying, and getting ready for the Coyotes home opener, but uh, it's a nice place. Like, the area is really nice. It's better than Glendale. So, uh, I'm happy to be here. I just came from the arena. The arena is a, a nice venue as well. So, uh, you know, even though they're kind of getting mocked a little bit for playing in a college arena, I'm excited for the game tonight. And I think the area is very cool and very desirable uh, if they were to stay here moving forward.
0: I think one of the really cool things too that I saw the team is doing is they're offering the college students at Arizona State tickets as well. I think that's a great way to bring in more fans too, even people that might not have watched hockey before.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's a good way to get people in the building and get people to start cheering for the Coyotes. Um, you know, I don't know if this season is the the season where they're going to like really latch onto the Coyotes because the team isn't that great, but to get people in the building and give them a good experience, I think is really important for that team to kind of establish some, some fan loyalty and get, uh, you know, a younger crowd in there. I mean, the fact that that they're going to have a student section and a band is really, really cool and really unique. And I think that, you know, especially on a night like tonight where it's a Friday night, you got, you're going to get a bunch of college students in there. They're going to be loud. They're going to be rowdy. and It's going to be fun. Like, I think that mm-hmm. that's exactly what the coyotes should be looking for and should be shooting for and, and good on them for, for making those tickets accessible and affordable. So I think that that's going to be one of the coolest things about, about uh, the, the Oats playing at mullet arena this year.
0: And one of the other things happening tonight is the giveaway for fans that are coming to the game. I saw on Twitter that they're giving out, is it a mullet hat?
1: It's a mullet headband, so headband. It's, there's a, it's a headband with a mullet attached to the back. You, you know, that I absolutely <laughs> had to get my hands on one of those. Uh, there was no way that I was leaving that arena practice this morning without snagging one of those. So, uh, I will be filming something and wearing that later oh. today. So also very excited to do that.
0: Look for that on Valley sports. Yes. Oh, of <laughs> yeah. Now let's transition a little bit. You're a Boston guy and your Bruins saw the return of Brad Marshawn last night. What a return. It was a three point night. How good was it for you to see him back on the ice?
1: I mean, it it was amazing. I mean, (laughs) the the fact that he had both his hips uh, repaired over the offseason, his estimated timeline was December. And then they had a press conference earlier this week saying uh, uh, he's not going to play this week, but we're hoping to have him back at some point in November. Like that was sort of unbelievable. And then the very next day, Jim Montgomery announcing that he was going to be in the lineup like a full month ahead of schedule a day after they said that he wasn't going to play that night was unbelievable. And then he scores two goals, has an assist. It's outrageous. <laughs> um, you know, I I joked on Twitter that I think that he has a blood boy, which I don't know if you watch Silicon Valley, but a blood boy is essentially like a young, a young person who like an older person steals their blood to maintain youth. <laughs> like it, it, it seems like something that Brad Martian did in order to get back on the ice. And uh, you know, it's, every i said it about a week ago you know every point that the bruins can secure without brad marshand and charlie McAvoy in the lineup is sort of like a stolen point in my mind because those are two of their most important players and the fact that they've started the season with 7 wins in 8 games is absolutely absurd and it should give uh bruins fans like myself a whole lot of i don't know confidence or mm-hmm. um Positivity with regards to this team because a lot of people were expecting them to take a step back this year. And it doesn't seem like that's gonna happen. Um, at least not with the way that they played out of the gate with two of their most important players.
0: And it seems, I mean, they're standing at the top of the east right now, 14 points. I feel like it is a testament also to the depth that they have, having been without these guys. And
1: and that's been a problem for them in the past, which mm-hmm. like the bottom six scoring and bottom six contributions have been not so great. Um, it's been, you know, sort of their Achilles heel to what sort of prevented them from capturing another Stanley Cup, in my mind, is that they're relying too much on the top six and on, you know, that that obviously, you know, that top line of uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak in years past. Like, that was the only line that was really scoring for them. And so now that they do have Krejci back and they have a really strong top six, a really dynamic top six, but also contributions on the bottom six from, from, you know, some new guys or some guys that have kind of found second life this year. That's really encouraging because they have an, a, a lineup that really doesn't let off the gas. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you need to be considered a true contender in this league.
0: Another big piece of news this week, Phil Kessel breaking the Iron Man streak, 990 consecutive games. The ducks are actually playing the Vegas golden Knights today. So we'll see him again on the ice. But, I mean, how impressive is it that Phil Kessel has made it that many games in a row, I mean, mentally and physically, to be at the NHL level?
1: Yeah, it's, it's like the best thing in the world, in my <laughs> mind, because playing 990 straight NHL games is next to impossible for anybody. Like, you you can be in peak physical shape, be a gym rat. Uh, somebody who you know you, you can be on like the TB12 method and you're still probably not playing in 990 straight NHL games because the game is that physical um but to have somebody like Phil Kessel do it is <laughs> is amazing because uh you know like Phil's been mocked for years about not not liking to be in the gym uh you know not looking like a like a peak physical athlete like uh, on Twitter years ago there was that game uh like where you would text somebody a picture of Phil Kessel and ask them, what does this guy do for a living? And and nobody who didn't follow hockey would ever guess professional athlete. So the fact that Phil Kessel, who, by the way, is, is, you know, undersized to begin with, you know, he's a bit undersized as a forward. So the fact that he and sort of like all the, the jokes that have been made about him over the years, he's the guy to play to become the, the NHL's new Ironman. I think it's just the absolute best. And I, I love Phil Kessel as a personality, <laughs> love him as a player. He's a former Bruin. Like he was a guy that I grew up really loving. So I'm so happy that Phil Kessel is the NHL's new Ironman and will probably be the Ironman for a while. I mean, I feel bad for Keith Yandel because he he only got to enjoy that spotlight right. for a very brief period of time, but <laughs> I could not have rooted for a better guy to take his place than Phil Kessel.
0: And he certainly got all the love on Twitter. I saw a lot of people excited about it. A lot of different photos circulating around too.
1: Yeah. Like the hot dog photos, like the hot dog jokes. I mean, they used to say that Babe Ruth was like he, all his home runs were powered by beer and hot dogs. And so Maybe there is some truth to hot dogs (laughs) being like the elixir for a, for a professional athlete. I I, I'm willing to subscribe to that theory for sure.
0: (laughs) On Saturday, the Kachuk brothers are going to be facing off for the first time this season. And for the first time in the same division, when the senators travel to Florida, what are you expecting to see from the two of them?
1: I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that there's any, like, there's not gonna be like any animosity or anything, mm-hmm. but they're both characters. So I, I think that they'll find a way to, to make, to make something noteworthy out of it. I hope that it's, it's, it it delivers because I'm still reeling a little bit from losing the Kachuk, uh, Drew Doughty r- rivalry, um, in that Pacific division. So, uh, it's going to take a little bit for me to get over, over that because I I loved Matthew Kachuk and and Drew Doughty really going at each other a few times a year. So, um, you know, I do love, I love Brady. I love Matthew. Like I think they're, they're characters and they're really good for the sport and it will be interesting to see kind of what comes out of them playing in the same division. So, uh, the first installment might be telling, it might not be, but I'm looking forward to it regardless.
0: And now when you talk about that Pacific division this season in particular, I mean, how do you foresee it playing out? I know Seattle's in their second season now, ho- looking for a bit of a come up this year. Uh, the Ducks here we've had a little bit of a rough start, but looking to turn things around as well.
1: Yeah, I mean the the, the big thing that I was looking at coming into the season was the battle of Alberta, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean Calgary was my Stanley Cup pick last year. They, I still think that they're really they have a really good shot at making a run this year. But a lot, a, lot, a lot of eyes are on Edmonton because of McDavid, because of Dry Settle, because of, um, you know, the, the run that they had last year, but also the failures that preceded it and kind of the pressure that's mounting, mounting because of that. And then you have Vegas and there's a lot of eyes on Vegas, too, with some of the changes that they've made and, and being so tight against the salary cap and, and sort of losing Robin Leonard. There's a lot of interesting storylines mm-hmm. around that. And those three teams are at the top of the division right now. I expect that to, to sit, stay the same. Um, I think the Kings are going to be in the mix, though, because, like, I really like a lot of the things that they've done. And I expect, you know, some younger guys to to take a step forward, whether it's Quentin Byfield or, you know, uh, some of the other guys there, like Kaliev and, you know, Alex Turcotte, if he a- is able to make an impact at, at some point this year. Um I do look at the ducks and, you know, so far they've obviously been a disappointment. sorry to say, (laughs) Um, um, you know, obviously it's been a a bit of a rough start, but we did start to see some things come together in Anaheim last year. And I did like some of the moves they made um, over the off season. So, Uh, you know, I think that that division is, is going to be really interesting for better or for worse. You know, like when you talk about for worse, the Canucks fed a disastrous start too. So uh, a lot of interesting teams out there, um, that I think can be considered contenders and, you know, other teams that are kind of on fire to start the season Mm -hmm. in a bad way. (laughs) So like you've got some teams that are on fire in a good way and some teams (laughs) that are on fire in a bad way, but I think it's a very, very interesting division out there.
0: Do you have an underdog team this season?
1: Uh, Across the league, you mean? Yes. Um, I guess, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I would consider like an underdog team. Um, You know, I do think that like given what we've seen from the LA Kings, maybe they're considered an underdog. But like if we're talking about a team that didn't make the playoffs at all last year, uh, like I still think the Ottawa Senators, they've got a really good top six. I'm worried about their defense, but like, they had an unbelievable offseason and at the very least the senators are establishing themselves as a team that is worth taking seriously mm-hmm. and that's something that hasn't been said since they had that that deep playoff run and i want to say in uh what was that 20 2017 2018 um so like the senators have have toiled in in their rebuild and things have they've kind of been mocked a ton so uh, i would consider them an underdog, but I do think that it's sort of a weird situation where they did get a lot of attention this off season, So maybe they can't be considered an underdog, but they're, I think they're going to take a big step forward and in a top division, even if they don't make the playoffs, like they're, they're at least relevant and they're worth taking seriously.
0: Now, recently the NHL's reverse retro jerseys came out. I'm certainly a fan of the ducks here in Anaheim, but I want to know which Jersey was your favorite.
1: Uh, The Ducks are up there. They really are. And I do think, uh, and I hope that that's, that, that reverse retro is going to make its way into a more uh, prominent role moving forward, hopefully, because I do like the, um, I obviously love the mighty duck logo and I, I do like the, the orange alternates. So like if they were to make the, the orange alternates, their home primary and then the white Jersey, their, their primary road Jersey, I'd be, I'd be totally down with that. And I think it would be an upgrade, but um, other, other ones that I love, like, I absolutely love the robo penguin for, mm. uh, for Pittsburgh. I think that looks awesome. And, uh, you know, I really do like their regular jerseys now, but that would be an incredible, just alternate Jersey. And mm. I'm excited to see them wear that. But I think the biggest splash is the Florida Panthers because <laughs> that, 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 that yes. East Jersey, like that blue is, it's so good. And it like screams South Florida to me. Um, I, I think it's a really good representation of the team and, uh, and like the area and it looks super cool. Uh, I'm not even a big fan of like the giant logo, like the, what the shoulder patch logo, mm-hmm. but it, I, it doesn't really matter to me because I think that the base Jersey is just so cool. So, um, those are probably the big winners for me.
0: I think that the hockey stick that they put on the front of it looks like a golf club. Like I can't see past that. It looks like a, an iron. iron, I'm
1: looking at it now. It it absolutely does because it's like, it's sort of, um, it's like a light color. It's almost Mm -hmm. like a white. It does look like an iron shaft of a golf club, which I mean, there are jokes to be made there about the Florida Panthers and golfing and their lack of playoff success. So uh, I won't go there, but I'm sure (laughs) other people will.
0: Now, one of the other things that I want to talk about, uh, Trevor Zegers making the EA NHL 23 cover, I have to know, have you played it?
1: I have, I have. And, and, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's very similar to to previous installments of the game. And I know that people love to, uh, to that's like their big criticism of the NHL series that it's like a year to year roster update and not a lot of stuff changes, but I honestly liked last year's game. I thought it played pretty well and they made some very small minor improvements this year. Uh, so like it's there's a lot of familiarity, but I don't think that's totally a negative thing. I would like to see them add a little depth to the game and maybe pay a little bit more attention to detail when it comes to um, you know just like very specific and very small minor things that make it more immersive. And uh, kind of give you a more true to life experience when it comes to hockey. So that, that I mean, I don't I hate complaining about it because I mm-hmm. do play that game a ton and I enjoy <laughs> it. So I just I wish that it was more up to par with some of the other sports games in the market.
0: Well, I think that it was a great way for Trevor egress to be marketed one of those young stars in the NHL. I know that's something Absolutely. that we've talked about previously, um, but in what ways do you hope to see the league continue to grow their efforts in that area?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's being around hockey players for a long time. Like the biggest criticism that a lot of people have is that like hockey has no personality it doesn't have stars and like doesn't have marketable marketable people. And that's just not true. It's, It's, you know, I think it's like kind of a a twofold situation where guys in the past have been hesitant to like establish themselves as an individual brand or like really put their personality out there because in the past guys have been criticized for that because it's sort of like putting themselves above the team and, and, you know, taking away from the team mentality that, that hockey fans love and you know it's always hyped up as like the biggest team sport. And it while that's true, it doesn't mean that like if you want to have a personal brand or put your personal um your personality out there, like that shouldn't be considered taking away from the team because you can still be a good teammate while being uh you know an individual. So I think the the league is getting better about showcasing it's star players and it's personalities. And I think that they're the younger guys that are coming up, whether it's because of social media and like TikTok or whatever, like I, I think the guys are more comfortable putting themselves out there personally. And, and uh, you know, Trevor Ziegler is a great example of that. Like he's, he's clearly a guy that has charisma and has a lot of personality to showcase. And he does a good job uh, being comfortable doing that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I think there's a ton of young stars in the league There's a ton ton of young talent, and I think that they're getting better about putting themselves out there. And I, I do think that the league is now becoming more comfortable showcasing the individuals rather than always sticking to a team mentality, and I think that's good for the league.
0: Now last one before I let you go. I know you're a pop culture guy. Taylor Swift just released her new album. I need to know your thoughts on it. I for one, I think it's a good album. I'm not saying it's one of her best albums, but I think I think it's pretty good overall.
1: Yeah, I think that it has um it has its it's um it's hits and you know, for the last couple of Taylor albums, it was Very low key. I really liked those a lot. Like they're sort of like dad rock albums where, you know, you're not, you're not getting these like big pop singles and and that are going to take over the world or whatever, but like it was very pleasant listening. She kind of got back to her pop roots with this one where Mm -hmm. it's, you know, there are, a few songs that that are going to be in heavy rotation for me and they're really fun and really big and they take some chances. And I like that. I like that. She kind of got back to that, but there are also a lot of skips on this album <laughs> for me. I'll be honest. Uh, I, you know, at first listen, I, I liked it and I was like, Oh, this is a good album, but I think that I'm liking it less the more that I listen to it with the exception of a few songs. Like I really like, um, anti, hero i really like karma i really like midnight rain and i also i think one of my favorite songs on the album is one that a lot of people probably haven't heard it's the target exclusive song um i believe that it's called oh shoot i'm blanking on the name uh oh uh hits different mm. uh, and yep. that's like the target exclusive song and i really like that song as well so uh you know when you When you get into a pop album, like I'm totally cool with having a handful of really good songs and then like throwing the rest out because that's kind of what pop is. You know, it's stuff that's not going to be for everybody. And it's when you get into like really good pop, it's just stuff that you want to play over and over and over again. So if you have a handful of those songs, it'll last me for like six months to a year and I'll just be happy with it. And Mm -hmm. you'll throw a bunch of those songs on her... or or like a few of those songs on her greatest hits album and and then call it a day. So I'm, I'm happy with it, but I will say as a, as the world's like biggest Carly Rae Jepsen fan, (laughs) uh, they released an album on the same day and Carly Rae Jepsen has a superior pop album. I feel strongly about that. Carly Rae Jepsen's new album is very good.
0: That might be a little bit of a hot take to a lot of people actually.
1: Yeah. It's (laughs) crazy because like people who know about Carly Rae Jepsen, and have followed Carly Rae Jepsen are usually gigantic Carly Rae Jepsen fans. But the rest of the world thinks that she's dead because they (laughs) haven't heard about Carly Rae Jepsen since Call Me Maybe. Like, they know her as the Call Me Maybe girl, and it gives me, like, a little bit of resentment towards Call Call Me Maybe because I think that's an unbelievable song. I think it's an (laughs) iconic pop song. But I dislike the fact that she's known as the Carly Rae as the call me maybe girl to like the rest of the world who hasn't paid attention. So if you're ignorant or, or about Carly Rae Jepsen, please check her out. If you like pop music, because her last like three albums or three or four albums have been awesome. 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 Pop music.
0: I feel like I need to now because I, I think I'm a little bit ignorant and just knowing her as that. Um, yeah. So I apologize for that.
1: <laughs> it's fine. I mean, it, <laughs> as long as you recognize that you're ignorant and you are missing out on incredible pop music. I I will respect that. I will respect the ignorance and I will encourage you to check out Carly Rae Jepsen because
0: she is amazing. All right. Well, I'm going to do that today. Uh, thanks for joining me. Pete Blackburn coming to me from Arizona. Great to have you here on Duckstream on light the lamp.
1: Thank you for having me. And I'm glad that we got to end with me talking about Carly Rae Jepsen because no matter what I'm talking about, even if it's hockey, like I, I do want to talk about Carla Ray Jepsen. So I, <laughs> I applaud you for giving me that opportunity. Actually you didn't really, I just took it like you, you asked me about Taylor Swift and I made it about Carla Ray Jepsen. So, uh, I'm going to pat myself on the back.
0: Of that. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> And it's time for my final quack for this episode where I share my last thought before the end of the show and now the end of the week. Make sure to come out to our Dia de Muertos night on Sunday when the team welcomes the Toronto Maple Leafs to town. We're going to have a lot of exciting things happening, including a special beanie giveaway. You won't want to miss it, so get your tickets and come out to the game. And if you can't, make sure to listen right here on DuckStream to the call by Steve Carroll, Dan Wood, and Josh Brewster. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back next week for a lot more hockey talk here on DuckStream.
1: This is an Anaheim
0: Ducks original production on DuckStream.